Hello and welcome to Horrible Friends. It's a podcast in book club format about horror movies. And this week we have an American werewolf in London. Starting off, my name is Kyle. I'm Chris. I'm Dan. And I'm Jarvis. And the way this works is we're going to give you a little bit of history about this movie. We're going to talk about the movie and all of its hilarity. And then we're going to go ahead and give you our little spoopometer, spoopy meter about how we f- how the horror affected us during this movie. And, uh, you know, 1981, good times. Dan, what kind of history we got? So An American Werewolf in London was filmed uh, and came out in 1981. Yeah, it was written and directed by John Landis, who is known for doing lots of stuff. Uh, Animal House, The Blues Brothers, Coming to America. He directed uh, different Michael Jackson music videos, probably most notably Thriller. Worked with mm-hmm. other artists like B.B. King. So he's... He's done a lot of stuff. Kind of a man. Kind of a yeah. fucking man. Hmm. And it was after this movie came out was when like Michael Jackson saw this movie and was like, hmm, I think I want to borrow some of this. And even he was like, he, he kind of got like cold feet at the 11th hour and almost mm-hmm. kind of backed out because like this uh, for 1981, man, they they went all in. This is some pretty gory graphic stuff. Yeah. So speaking of 1981, other horror movies that came out this year, just to name some of them, we have Scanners, The Evil Dead, My Bloody Valentine, Halloween 2, Mommy Dearest, Friday the 13th. So pretty, pretty nice year for horror overall. Mm-hmm. Stacked year. A lot of competition. But yet it, it turned a profit, I think. I think it did good. Oh, yeah, it did. I think it was uh, a $6 million budget and they made... 60 million or 30 million or something crazy. I don't know. Dan, Dan knows it. Yeah, I, re- I read it was about $10 million for a budget. And yeah, right, right around close to 31 million. That Are they, good. That they made box office. Yeah. I heard that figure was closer to 60. Yeah, so did I. Uh, the only reason I bring that up is because this had a competing werewolf movie, believe it or not, in 1981, The Howling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of like an arms race of werewolf movies. And this took it by a mile. Hmm. Uh, comparatively, I think it was like 60 million this made in box office compared to like 12.5. Oh, no, it was uh, 30, 30 mil at the box office in the US and 62 worldwide. That's the number. Oh, okay. That makes yeah. sense. So our runtime for this nice, nice kind of quick movie, an hour and 37 minutes. We'll get you through this one. And moving into our actors. So we, we had two, two primary actors in this. We have David Naughton, who plays um, David. Uh, and and David he Norton's. was most known for a Dr. Pepper commercial. <laughs> wow. Yeah, really? Yep. That was his big thing before doing this movie. Huh. Did you guys see who was going to play David? David Hasselhoff. They uh, can only no. put a David in this role. So it has to be a David. Yeah, uh, it has to be David. It, it was not. It was a D and an A, uh, but in the form of Dan Aykroyd. Ah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, just because, I mean, if you look at his discography, it kind of fits uh, with that director, Blues Brothers. Yeah, no, that fits perfectly, actually. <laughs> but he he was very uh, he was very adamant to go with uh, unnamed or un- relatively unknown actors. And uh, just kind of leading into our other actress in this, we have Jenny Agutter. Uh She's done things like the show called The Midwife, um, Logan's Run, Walkabout, a bunch of stuff that I haven't seen, but. Mostly unknown actors like Jarvis said. 
She actually was also in uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And in the first Avengers, I think, as well. Yeah, she um, Jarvis, she was uh, one of the, you know, at the end of uh, Winter Soldier, there's like the council people at uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. Yes. Yeah, she was one of the members of like the big council. Oh, wow. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. And I'm seeing here, if you watch the movie Equus, she does a full frontal. So that's cool. Nice. And we're going to take a brief pause here for unrelated <laughs> reasons. And we're going to take a quick gooning break and we'll be right back. <laughs> so our filming location for this is filmed a lot in Wales, in Surrey and London, England. So, yeah, just bunch of different places in the uk and that will lead us into our tags so this week we have for our first tag beware the moon yeah that makes sense yeah yeah they, they say nothing, it nothing special <laughs> they do say it i think i might i am exactly whelmed yep <laughs> how about this one from the director of animal house a different kind of animal okay mm, they came they came back around hey, hey. <laughs> all right <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Is that the only one like that we've that ever one. heard that we liked? You know, one of those no. where, like, uh, no. name one other. Name one other what? where it was, like, self-aggrandizing. Oh, where where like, like the, the... Yeah, 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 yeah. From like, the director of XYZ. Yeah. That, oh, from the, yeah. From, the, from the fucking assistant coffee getter of Scream 3. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, those are usually pretty shitty. But John Landis, man, he is kind of the man. I watched a... A video online where I guess someone asked him like when they were making the movie where they were doing like the test screenings they were like so is this like a comedy in horror and he's like no it's hard it's just funny and they're like so it's but but it's a comedy he's like no it's hard it's just funny and if you think about where that has kind of led to today I mean 1981 Evil Dead kind of similar in that kind of you know lighter but like still like definitely pushing the envelope trying to shock audiences Kind of to where we are today, where, I mean, we've seen a lot of movies that aren't comedy horrors, that aren't just one or the other either. You know, Slither kind of falls in that category. So this might have yeah. been kind of one of those, you know, early, uh, early settlers for a lot of these, a lot of these films that we know today. So just giving you two more here. So we have a masterpiece of terror and yeah, mm. uh, not as a tagline. It's a nice statement, but not a tagline. Um, and the last one, which I think goes to what Jarvis said earlier, where there's actually two werewolf movies that were kind of competing during this year. They named this one the monster movie. Ooh. Ooh. Slap across the face. And also, I think that the guy who ended up doing a uh, majority of the practical effects for this movie, he was working on the howling and was going to be using some of like his, I guess, methods that he planned on using for this in the howling and john landis was like no wow. don't do that i'd rather you just solely here and he was like okay bought him out mm -hmm. well uh not to get too ahead of ourselves but it really worked out for him because this is mm -hmm. one of the very few like uh number of horror movies that are like definitively horror movies that have been nominated and won an oscar at the academy awards and when this came out, it was actually the, I think from what I read, the first year that they added that award at the Oscars. 
But with that, I am going to hand this over to Kyle, who's going to give us our plot. Yes, thank you. Hello, welcome to my TED Talk about an American werewolf in London. I don't have one, but I will say we, we spoke about him. We, we praised him for a second there. Uh, Rick Baker is is the man here. He is the special effects artist, and he has done some other low budget films uh, like Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back. And never heard of him. I don't know. I'm not familiar. He's done. No, a, I got nothing. A couple of these King Kongs as well. I'm not a fan of independent films. Uh, he was also. Oh, yeah. I mean, sorry. This, this is the one we all know. Gremlins 2, the new batch. Uh, oh, he did Gremlins yeah. 2, the new batch? Yes, he did. Holy shit. What an icon. All levity all aside. One of my absolute favorite horrors Absolutely. ever. It's ever. A, it's silly. Uh, yeah, I, I ended up just as a side part before we actually start this This, this Yeah, start this movie. I, I went backwards in time. The Incredible Melting Man from 1977 was another one of his films. And uh, Mystery Science Theater, Theater 3000 did a whole episode on it. It's a very good episode of MST3K. So that's a strong suggestion. It was very funny. I was like listening to it earlier today. So and also great special effects when I was peeking in there, even though the quality that I found on YouTube was like hot garbage. Anyway, starting off here in this movie, we got David and Jack. They arrived to the UK by what can apparently be conceived as a sheep truck. I don't know how they got here otherwise, but here they are. They're in Wales and you can tell because the sheep. They go ahead and pay a visit to the pub and then uh, some stuff happens. And then David wakes up with the worst hangover in a hospital. Uh, the stuff that happens is he gets attacked by a werewolf or a beast of some sort. The beast gets shot and then move on. Uh, Jack, is, Jack is dead, we find out, which we I think we could tell. Jack, Jack got pretty messed up <laughs> uh, before David passed out. And the doctors and police don't believe David and his story about being attacked by a werewolf. They they were told or they're trying to hide or something. We're not, we're not sure yet, but uh, they, they were told that it was just a, uh, a crazy man, a, a, a maniac. And then what we have is Jack is starting to have some crazy, crazy nightmares. So just kind of skipping to the nightmare scenes, um, I was like really... I was very peaked. My interest was peaked when, mm -hmm. when I was watching all these nightmare scenes, because to me, that was like the most horror part of it. Like up to this part, I was just like, whoa, mm -hmm. uh, like the pig masks coming in. And, you know, after looking it up to make sure that my suspicions were correct, finding out that it's like pig face Nazis that are like coming into his house. Right. And then I, I found out that, you know, some people say that werewolves are very closely related to the Jewish community. And uh, just to give you guys a little bit of background, I kind of searched on a couple websites and found us off of Juicy.com, which is an amazing name. Juicy. Like juicy? Spell J it, J-E-W-C-Y. Juicy. C-Y. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Do you, also, do you also recall one of the nurses when David was in the hospital? Yes. Like, oh, he's American. Yeah. Like, well, I think he might be Jewish. Uh, how? Why do you think that? I got a peek. Yeah, the doctor straight up asked her. He said, surely you have some function in this hospital. I, I, if I was her, I'd have been like, uh, yes, doctor. I checked the dicks. <laughs> so so, so ju just a little bit for you guys to, to hear what I saw. Uh, so being a fairy tales, Germany fairy tales warn children not to go into the woods lest they be snatched, while Yiddish folk tales would warn the readers not to go in the woods lest they were accused of snatching children and baking them into matzo. Going on, we had a poem that was written around 1920, which was kind of in the same vein um, as werewolves. It was called The Wolf, and it's about stalking, 
just like these werewolves do when a rabbi who's the last survivor of an anti-Semitic violence finds himself transformed into a werewolf. And then specifically talking about the pig-faced Nazis scene, they say that when the pig-faced Nazis storm werewolf-bitten David, his house in the film, it's post-Holocaust schlock as shock therapy. When David is goaded by his old friend into suicide, it's a punchline of Jewish guilt. And when the wolf David is gunned down on the busy street in London, it's a reversion to the open dehumanization of the wolf man. Interesting. Yeah. And and if you if you look at the actor, the actor is Jewish. Um, Hmm. And then the director, we know that his dick. Well, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. Uh, and John Landis <laughs> is is Jewish as well, so I I, I think that this was very a very Jewish much... director. What <laughs> in Hollywood? What? <laughs> Honestly, I thought you were gonna say like Who I thought you were gonna say like well, no, I, I saw his dick, and they were like John Landis. Yeah, John Landis saw his dick too. So yeah, he he can also <laughs> confirm. So so very interesting to like kind of make those connections while the movie was going on. It really like made me like mm. think more about like the intentionality of the scenes that were being created very interesting it helps with the fact that i also saw something in the wiki at some point where there was a video essay called i think he's a jew the werewolf secret and i was like what like it's a line from this it had to do with this film okay but it was like a throwaway line about seeing this dude's dick and i thought it was funny i thought that like at best it was funny but that makes way more sense that it was actually apparently impactful so all right (laughs) this from being like, haha, he's circumcised. Wow. He might be Jewish. To like, wow, we have like slid yeah. down this <laughs> this juicy rabbit hole, as it were. <laughs> and that's that's pretty cool. And and like, I, I I enjoy it. I really appreciate it. Right, the the intention behind it. However, I I am going to bring up something that we've dinged movies in the past. R- remember our conversation about making us do your Mad Libs for you? Like, we mm. ain't your maid. I just kind of wish they explained the Nazi kind of attitude first. I wish that if, if they mm. were doing this because, you know, it has kind of like Jewish connotation. I, I wish they would have leaned into that a little heavier. You know what I mean? Instead of yeah. being like a tongue in cheek joke, because I didn't really get the Nazi fever dream killing his family, you know, yeah. but like yeah. I don't really understand. Well, I, I didn't understand where it fit in. Right. And especially for the time period, it's like if this was anywhere between like the 1950s, uh, 1950s to 60s or something like that, that mm-hmm. was like just barely post-war. And it's just a look what we did, the Nazis, you know, or the Nazis were doing whatever that is. But it's we're in the 1980s at this point. We've forgotten all about that war. So um, I think it, I think it also has a lot to do with like his own fears of living with, you know, he lives with his grandma who would have been might have been a Holocaust survivor and like telling stories of that kind of thing mm-hmm. of these people coming in, kicking in your door and murdering your family in front of you before they murder you. So I think it's like he's kind of has these fever dreams of that because that's his true fear, right? That's like inconceivable fears for a lot of people. I feel like this kind of energy kind of like helped him initiate with Nurse Price because that whole scene, like when he's like waking up from these dreams and they're on kind of like kind of this like weird repeat rabbit hole he's going down it's a it's like one of the most sexually charged confusing conversations i've ever heard mm-hmm. he's, he's like nurse nurse and then they kiss and then he's like i'm a werewolf my dead friend was here i'm gonna be a monster tomorrow can i come to your house like you know what I mean? <laughs> she's like hell yeah dude well you have an american accent so i i guess yeah so. <laughs> i will say i love that a lot of these dreams were like 
it was like, ha, it's a dream. And then something else happened, like, ha, no, but now that's a dream. Yeah. <laughs> the the really double, double the inception double. dream. Yeah. Also, yeah. the fact that, like, one of those early ones he had where he was just, like, prancing in the woods naked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and bit like the he, neck out of the deer. Yeah. Yeah. Like how he just, like, jumped over a tree. And I was like, wow, what could form? And they're like, <laughs> oh, and he's eating a deer. All right. I really like that all they had to do when they got into that bar was mention the Alamo, and it became the most Northern England conversation that could have ever <laughs> yeah. happened. The people in that pub were my kind of audience, man. <laughs> Stone-faced, complete dickheads. Didn't I, give I, you an inch. Couldn't I, couldn't understand a have, word that they fucking said. <laughs> I may them. have thought the same thing in that moment, too. <laughs> yeah. It made me think, though, like, we've all, we've all done some some international traveling. Have you guys ever encountered like an, a really kind of like awkward, uninviting sort of interaction during any sort of like international travels? Nothing that sticks out, but I'm sure I did. Yeah. Especially during yeah, domestic. Nothing. Nothing, <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Huh? Really? No, no. Well, even, like, the uninviting places that the, the one that I remember the most was like, we were not welcome. I don't think, but it was a, it was a bar that specialized in garlic things. It was like garlic shots and garlic beers and garlic. Everything was oh, infused wow. with garlic. Very strange. This was in Sweden. What country is this? Sweden. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, everyone who was there was in biker jackets, leather, tatted up, full. Like the the punk scene was alive and well in the garlic bar. Very and cool. We walked that, in. That's and a hell of a sentence. You, you pretty, I, I dig that a lot. You pretty much got the you got the full like turn to the left, and they all just stared for a second, and it got quiet, and then it just went back to everybody doing like everybody the twelve people that were there total, and then you guys <laughs> yelled at them, "We're not from around here." <laughs> Correct. <laughs> no. Then we said, "I guess I'm gonna have the garlic vodka, please." And yeah, how was it? It was. I burped garlic for the rest of the night. It was great. That sounds incredible. <laughs> So, uh, what'd you guys think about the first uh, sight of Jack? You know, post mauling, it's good work. It, he looked, <laughs> it looked awesome. Yeah, good work on on the part of the FX team, or like, hey, well, uh, or on the mauling. I think of way the to werewolf, go. like the werewolf. Yeah, really yeah. It, was, it was a beautiful work because I've seen this movie before, and every time I see that first scene where he shows up and he like eats that toast, and you can just see it. He eats it, and then it falls out, and it just sits in like one of the holes of his neck and every time i see this scene i just stare at it i can't oh so you look at it so you watch the unrated version hmm. yeah so i uh, li- a little bit of fun trivia this had to go through several edits to get an r rating the- oh yeah i saw like john landis had to like cut a yeah, lot of stuff. a lot of it which which is crazy um be- because like it was already pushing a lot of boundaries but like post falling out of some guy's neck was like where they were drawing the line. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of the makeup job. Obviously, so was everyone else because it won an Academy Award. Jack is he's not a straight up terrifying figure. He's he's kind of warm and inviting in his character. And so it, it doesn't like straight up like, you know, repel us. But he is quite a sight, man. It was almost just unsettling because yeah, you said he's not everything he's saying to David, like granted, he is telling David to like kill himself. So like the werewolf curse ends with him. But majority of the time he is in like a just kind of chill tone of voice. So you're seeing this guy with a shredded up face and neck just having a casual conversation with David. So like first sight, it was kind of jarring. And then 
it was just kind of very interesting to watch at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it it was. I didn't expect him to show up, and then like throughout this, the rest of the film, I, I, we'll probably touch on it a little bit. But he his body just keeps decomposing more and more as the film goes on, which is uh, pretty cool. Definitely didn't expect that either. I, I I was almost kind of like, you know, why would they go that direction? But I but I liked it. It definitely kind of like pumped up the shock value. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that are unexpected in this. Um, this is a first watch for me. I didn't know a lot of like the uh, the stills like images that I see from horror movies like the the scary face he makes in the dream sequence of his face didn't know that was from this movie uh, another thing didn't expect did not expect the uh, idea of being force-fed by a British nurse to break my top 20 fantasy list but <laughs> there you have it here we are and here we are especially a, a British nurse from the 1970s 80s yeah specifically yeah, yeah. It was a weird scene. Like you said, uh, there was a lot of uh, energy in that part, and uh, it was kind of weird. So on that note, we're, we're moving on. So the, the nightmares continue. He has multiple nightmares at this point. We, they, we, like we just said, they do the little uh, force feeding scene, and then uh, he leaves the hospital with, uh, turns to be Nurse Alex, or, or Alex in general. Uh, Alex uh, allows him to stay over, quote unquote, because he's very attractive and a little sad. He ends up having a a bunch of more bad dreams. They just keep getting like progressively worse. And during this time, the uh, the doctor actually leaves London and makes his way back over to the pub in in Wales, where they or the original thing happened. And um, the town uh, ignores that the incident actually happened. They don't even know what they they say. They don't even know what he's talking about. Whatever. He finds one dude who tries to give some information, and that guy gets yelled at and whatever. And he comes back. So he starts to believe. He starts to believe that that the werewolf thing starts to, to is actually happening. So he's he's partly there, and wouldn't you know it, the full moon is the next like the day that uh, that he the doctor's like headed back or whatever it is, and this is where the transition happens. We start to we we see the full on transition of uh, David into the werewolf. He attacks a bunch of people. We see a couple of them, and then he ends up waking up in the zoo with the wolves, uh, apparently after killing six people. I think I had a dream like that one time. Were you waking up naked in the zoo? <laughs> Again, that 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 weird line and the levity between the horror and the comedy is like this is like a, a slapstick sketch. Effectively, he's like running through and blocking his his uh, circumcised penis as he's like running around the zoo and stealing balloons from a kid and like stealing yeah. a dress. Like it's it's silly. Mm-hmm. It's really silly. All of a sudden, after he just murdered six people gruesomely. It- <laughs> it's it skewed a little Monty Python there. Right, right, right. It did. Really did. That wolf was getting fresh, you know. The one in the cage? Yeah. Yeah. It was sniffing was up getting, on him. That wolf was getting yeah. real fresh. Hey girl, where are you going? The, the scene <laughs> and the scene kept getting to me, it kept getting more uncomfortable. Like it started with the bestiality, and I was like, well, I'm alright. I mean, he's kind of a wolf, so like where was the bestiality? I it like the the wolf getting a little fresh. Like the wolf was a little fresh, and I was like, all right. Oh. All right, possible bestiality there. Little, little, little much. All right, all right. And then he like gets out, and then he goes into the bushes. And he's like, "Hey, kid, come over here." <laughs> I knew you. And were the kid's that. like, "Why?" I don't like, know you. <laughs> I want Give you two pounds. Come over here. And then he comes over, and it's just a naked guy. And it's it just kept it kept escalating to my uncomfortable. <laughs> I will say. I think it's the unfortunate thing that he's in London because he asks the kid for his balloons and he says, 
if you give me your balloons, I'll give you a pound. And I'm like, oh. no, nope, no, nope, naked, naked man, you can't say that. Didn't even catch uh -huh. it. I like that. No one like... cared. No one cared that he was naked. Everyone's like, it's not that impressive. Don't worry about it, bro. Like, just keep walking. It was the eighties. It was the eighties. It was naked in London in the eighties. I was confused when you mentioned bestiality because I was thinking like we've gone on record as saying like showering as a couple's terrible. Shower sex somehow even worse. But bestiality. But what if you were a werewolf? <laughs> Is there an added element that we're not considering here, gentlemen? Okay, but all right. All right. Thought experiment. Would it still be bestiality if they did have sex? Because he's right. a wolf. These are good questions. These, These are, are the, the hard, questions. The hard-hitting questions that this podcast asks that no one else will. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> So what do you guess why no other podcast will ask this question <laughs> not brave enough uh in werewolf form i'm saying that he's he's legally allowed fair game but but it's human no go yeah i think if he's in his human form no go werewolf form that's fine he's attractive and kind of sad <laughs> <laughs> but then he's hairy and terrifying and kind of hot confusing <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, guys, uh, uh, an added treat for the audience. I'm gonna kind of bring you into the the psyche of Jarvis uh, when I uh, write trust notes. Me, this is a place you don't want to be. <laughs> strap in and strap on. When I write notes, um, I sometimes write material and make jokes. And if it's really bad and I don't know if I want to say it, I write a little star next to it. <laughs> and when I was starting to write. Should we talk about the bestiality aspect, the potential bestiality aspect? That How many stars? Star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right in, yeah. yeah. And yep, yep, here we are. Uh, and it wasn't even me. You know, we talk about weird superpowers. My superpower is being able to read what Jarvis writes. So. <laughs> Thousands of miles away, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favorite qualities about you, man. I do love the subtle berating that Alex gives David, like right before they get down. She's like, you're very sad, but kind of attractive, you know, all in a rather suckable way. So come into my flat. I'm going to get a shower. You want to watch some telly? What if he just went? Yeah, I think I will watch some telly. And he just sat there. Yeah, he just sat down and started watching TV. <laughs> but, but but the shower. No. The, the Shut up. BBC's on. I got to watch this. <laughs> How do we feel about the scene? It wasn't necessary by any means. 80s the, porn scenes always go on way too long was, in the most awkward way. It like, was the montage. It was a montage of sex. Like slow pan was... up the hip, and then it goes all the way back down. And then it's a slow pan up. It's like grating cheese, but with the camera <laughs> going up her hip. It was longer. That was it was they longer. Oh, they, yeah. you're correct. He has <laughs> <laughs> it was longer and circumcised uh well the force can add like things, four inches uh, john landis had to uh cut because apparently the scene did go on a lot longer which i think i read like in retrospect he was happy that he cut more of that out um he does oh, yeah? wish that he cut more of the transformation scene i don't know he felt that he he just said he it it, it felt like it went on a little too long it, it might have, which is a good transition because I was going to ask how do we feel about yeah. the, the transformation because I actually, it's one of the few like creature movies of the time, especially where the practical effects came in and it wasn't 
it was noticeable at times, but very minutely, mm-hmm. like that they sped the camera up to make the stretching happen in a certain way, or they like yeah. the way that usually it's like really jarring and like jittery or whatever. That they did a very good job on this one. So it's almost something you kind of have to accept going into the movie. It's like, hey, this is this movie's forty years old. You know, this part's gonna suck. You look at this and you you don't feel that way. No, not at all. Like, especially I thought the hand thing was going to be weird. Like, as it started to stretch out, I was like, all right, it's going to be very strange. And then when it turned into the foot, it just stretched and became a a werewolf foot. It was very good. I I, I liked it a lot. Loved it. What do you think his dick was doing? (laughs) I think it was going in, right? It's a fair question. Yeah, you think it would go in, right? He's got to get a red rocket, right? Well, yeah, I was yeah, asking my yeah. uh, my wife asked. She's like, what, "What's this dick doing?" And I was thinking, I was like, "She probably thinks that that that's just like a big meaty schlong happening." Just or she's no. thinking, "Why is my husband asking me this question?" No, no she, she asked, asked me. Oh, she asked. Oh, I thought it was. Yeah, no, she got, looked got to tuck in. Yeah, she looked at Jarvis I, and said, "What that dick do?" And he said, I, "I bought a werewolf costume the next day. The <laughs> next day, I bought a werewolf costume. Unfor- she unfortunately, locked me out. Anyway, um... it's unfortunate that there's not a more interesting answer to that because if turning into a dog, that's just got to be the logical answer. Yeah, I would love oh, yeah. this to go down some weird rabbit hole of just like, oh man, it probably wrapped around his neck like a scarf or something like that. Like." That would be great. Yep. Unfortunately, I don't think it, would have been, it was that cool. Not nearly. Another fun thing is that uh, the actor David said, compared to like having to wear all the makeup and stuff, like for the transformation scene, he said actually the like the one nightmare scene with uh, like his eyes being yellow and everything. He said dealing yep. with the contacts for that was worse than like having <laughs> all the hair and shit all over him for the transformation scene. Wow. Okay. Some people hate contacts, man. Some people, it's it's like a real bugaboo. I can't touch in your eyes. Yeah, I can't. Really. I did it for a lot of years, but I feel like those ones are like thicker. You know. Yeah. Like yeah. FX ones. The technology has also changed, I believe, as well. Not to get down the rabbit hole of contact lenses from the eighties. Eighty eighties contacts to <laughs> no, 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 no. That's what this podcast is founded on: bestiality Which... and contact lenses. <laughs> <laughs> And does it go in or wrap around your neck? These are the <laughs> questions we ask. Does it the, go the in or wrap around your neck? It's I love the trajectory that. of the That's development of contact glasses through the decades. <laughs> it's the development of tra- trajectory of the wolf penis. Whether Can you it's going fuck off, I stutter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the practical effects, though. Jack's getting a little grimy, man. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like I. I I could only be so lucky to be like the rotting ghoul that gets to haunt the homies forever and ever, you know, until the bloodline yeah. ceases. <laughs> yeah. That's and a cool way to spend the afterlife. Especially yeah. the second time, he's even more playful. Like, again, besides the fact they tell him, like, Dave, you got to kill yourself. Like, he holds up the little Mickey doll and he's like, hi, David. <laughs> Put that thing down. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that was great. Uh, the murder scenes were pretty solid, I think. I mean, that you see a couple of them, most of them kind of just pan away, and apparently three of them just happened completely off screen. I thought that was kind of weak, but that's fine. I guess we don't have, uh, you know, three hours for this film like we would nowadays, but uh, either way, yeah, I, I, I thought they were pretty good, especially the couple walking through like the backyard, going into the person's house, and they get snatched and and ate. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the face, the face of the guy after he finds the body, it, he he had the look of this fucking shit. Just like <laughs> just again, the, just an inconvenience. 
He'd been looking forward to that pot roast all week. <laughs> right. And now this is a totally different evening. And it, it gave off uh like typical quote unquote married life vibes as well. Like he he has to leave the house and he looks back because his wife is like, go check it out. And he's like, I really don't want to or care. And he looks <laughs> yeah. back at it. He gets to the edge of the, <laughs> the property and he's like, is anybody there? And he's about to turn back in, sees his wife and he's like, all right, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> So David, uh, a bunch of things happen uh, where the um, the police officers are getting more involved or, or trying to get more involved, but nobody still nobody believes that there's a werewolf thing going on. I, I found this spot to be interesting because I know a, a chunk of things happen, but it really only kind of coalesced until like the very end, like get pretty much the last like 20 minutes of this film are just very quick. And uh, that's because David finally realizes that he definitely, definitely definitely has to kill himself apparently because he's he's gonna murder some people so he's very worried about that and so he tries to he can't he calls his family to say goodbye only his little sister picks up i thought you know kind of a, a touching little scene and then uh he sees he sees jack again and jack's like hey come on over and uh they go into a, a movie theater and the movie theater is actually a porno theater and they're just sitting in the back just talking to himself watching porn great stuff and then we meet all of the murdered people that uh david just murdered as well as jack and everything else and um very very funny like very funny joke uh jokes between them very very british humor very dry and then they all talk about the ways that he should be killing himself and not fast enough because he transforms and he attacks everybody in the theater he murders a bunch of them please try to hold him back he ends out in the middle of the public causes chaos to happen Mur a bunch of people die like not even by his hand many people do but specifically the the police investigator who not who just like said nothing was going on but also multiple people just flying out of their cars because nobody used seatbelts back in the 80s and crash their vehicles crush some people it was it was a wonderful ending scene to this film and then we the final portion of this is he ends up down an alleyway alex comes over to try to save him he lunges at her and the police shoot him and he dies transforms back into a human and he dies so we assume all is done and it cuts to black very quickly to a at least my version the credit scene music was was really uh not monty python but it very <laughs> it was very silly and then they did that throughout yeah yeah also i don't know if uh so also what i saw a lot of the songs throughout this movie are all moon related songs mm. oh okay i didn't even uh, catch that yeah john landis tried to get uh the Elvis Presley rendition of uh, I think it's Blue Moon in the song mm -hmm. and uh, like the Presley's like manager the guy who like had access to like all the rights like refused that's interesting I, I honestly honest to God didn't catch that uh, I thought the songs were more used to like offset what was happening in the in the scenes and you know kind of the tempo that makes a lot more sense yeah they they seemed out of place but again because I like you said I thought that they were just kind of like offsetting it but yeah Speaking of deeply out of place, can we talk about the weirdest intervention ever captured on screen? Oh, that porn was the best. You know what it was called, right? <laughs> no, uh, please. See you next Wednesday. See you next Wednesday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which John Landis actually filmed. I don't think it was a full length feature porno, <laughs> but he filmed all the scenes. And to our point earlier about like the sex scenes, I thought I thought it wasn't half bad in, in, in kind of the tempo. Like it, it, it I'm glad it wasn't 
longer than it was. I think he he did the right amount of cutting there. But there's something good about us doing this podcast that we can see like other 80s sex scenes. And some of them are just mm-hmm. absolutely horrific by comparison. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just because we watched Silent Night, Deadly Night last week. But this this one didn't seem that bad to me. But going back to the <laughs> weirdest intervention ever. <laughs> obviously, obviously the setting, phenomenal. Takes place in a porno theater. He's surrounded by a bunch of corpses. Already pretty weird. Here's the other thing, though. He murdered them all. Mm-hmm. Except, you know, except for mm-hmm. Jack. And Jack, holy shit, is just falling apart. At this. He looks like something <laughs> yeah. out of Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Tales, Tales from the Crypt or something. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah like the fucking Crypt Keeper. Has it been that long? Like, I don't think you decompose at that rate. Well, no, because David was in the hospital three when he when, when he first woke up. He was it was, it was three a couple weeks. days, right? No, the doctor told him like when he first three fully weeks. woke uh, up, weeks, he'd okay. been there Which for three weeks. Is the cycle of the moon, right? Like he he's there in the hospital for two two three weeks or whatever, and then by the time he leaves, the next day right. is literally the, the yeah. next full moon. Correct. So like, so I would I would yeah. say he's he's probably in the hospital for at least a month. So that would be it can't decompose that fast, right? Yeah, no, I, I mean, who knows so. how it works in limbo? Right. But yeah, I mean, either way, super weird intervention because it ends with them telling you to kill yourself, and they're like super yeah. into it. <laughs> it's it's a very funny scene too. It yeah, is. the couple's ver- funny. She is. She's it's great. hilarious. The the British. It, it's very extremely dark British Correct. humor. It's just all it is. Very dry. Very dark. And yeah, I, I like when they. One of them comes up and he's like, "I wish I could say it was nice to meet you, but well." <laughs> you fucking murdered me right and but then she's like you know she's kind of weirdly uplifting because she's like she's already dead you know why be a dick about things she's kind of got this fun just kill yourself energy. yeah and i think she was the one who uh they were like oh you could do sleeping pills and she's like ah, not enough not can't be sure yeah chance <laughs> it the scene of the homeless guys getting oh. mauled was <laughs> a lot more graphic that was the big cut yeah, that was the. Okay. That I was, was going to say, I don't remember cuts, seeing yeah. that. So, okay. Oh, yeah. No, that was one of the big cuts because I guess during one of the test screenings, like people really freaked out. Apparently, uh, that one was that incredibly scene, yeah. gruesome. Yeah. And that one he says he regrets cutting the most. Hmm. That makes sense. I was going to make some sort of like politician joke with that. It's like, you know, elect werewolf man because he's he's dealing with all the homeless problems in, in London or something like that. And it's. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. <laughs> He's got my vote. <laughs> that that car crash scene was like one of the most brutal yeah. scenes I've I've seen in in a while. Like the one in downtown what, London? Yeah. yeah. It was not over it wasn't over the top. It was just very realistic. That 80s realism to it. And what about the guy who went through the plate glass window? Or mm-hmm. the guy who was like about? on the ground because he got knocked out of the bus and then, and then the crashed. car just like comes right over his body yeah uh yeah. so one of those people in those crash scenes was john landis mm-hmm. huh yep yep said he is the bearded man who gets hit by a car and thrown through the plate glass window in piccadilly circus cool thought it was pretty neat yeah there was a lot of fun uh, fun quote-unquote murder at that point it was very it was like you said it was over the top and it was it was pretty gruesome. I, I, and again, it, it's realistic. It's unrealistic for nowadays because most people wear their seatbelt. But in the eighties, most people thought wearing their seatbelt was going to kill them. But like so they said, right? But you could you could see like a car crash going that bad, where mm-hmm. like these things are happening. And like that's what 
that's I, I feel like 80s movies really nail these things too, where it's like it's something that looks just ridiculous, but it somehow looks so real that it just is so disturbing because mm-hmm. it's all practical. Yeah. 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 They were going to do some big CGI like multi car crash explosion. It seemed appropriate and realistic. Honestly, a lot yeah. of people died that. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even Shit. really technically the werewolf that did it <laughs> like five deaths were him there was like 40 that were just like ah! yeah. yeah you know who you know who honestly probably got their wish that day like in terms of being mauled by a werewolf <laughs> what are they called uh you're the guy with the flashlight in the porno theater oh like the usher or something the usher yeah, yeah. that usher he walks up to him he's like is there a problem sir and that's when he's going through his 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 you know transformation oh uh, yeah probably he's probably just thinking like holy shit this guy comes weird like, what the <laughs> fuck? by the way is that gooning is that what that is <laughs> that's gooning right that might be gooning yeah yeah, yeah. that was gooning all right yeah. good yeah i i again I, I think this is probably one of the better scenes it, it's weird how this movie it pads it pads with a lot of like weird like weird see like kind of dry boring scenes in between really important scenes uh but like they didn't detract from it they just kind of i just remember them happening i didn't care that they were there or that they weren't there but then they get to the werewolf parts again and it's it makes sense i don't know that this i think that the story aspect or trying to piece together the puzzle that the doctor was doing was like unimportant because in the end yeah it you just had to shoot him with a gun any kind gun of unrealized yeah. yeah it was just kind of because you don't know why the town in Wales is so defensive about telling people about their werewolf problem. Like where, right. what's going on? Like, yeah. so weird. If it was like a townsperson's son, you know, that they didn't want yeah. murdered or like multiple, you know, where it was like an infection that they're trying to contain. Okay. But we, we don't really get that. Can you guys like explain that to me? Like, why would they, so logically, why would they try to hide that from the visitors? Right. Because like, if one of them gets bit, isn't it just going to spawn more werewolves? Like, so wouldn't they want yeah. them to not go outside? It affects their tourism business. It affects their bottom line. They're a very welcoming town. They love mm. seeing backpackers come through. I love uh, I mean, and the name of the pub was the Slaughtered Lamb. There. Seemed pretty on brand, honestly. Yeah. And yeah. It... But clearly they don't like the werewolves. They shot the one. So like, right. clearly they and see it as a problem. 50-50 split between the group of them, like we shouldn't have let them go or we told we, we must let them go. Like it was very strange. I, I couldn't figure out like heads or tails, why they were doing it. The so. democratic process is a failure. <laughs> That's all I got from that. Uh huh. But yeah, I, I wish there was a little more of, of why, why it was happening. I mean, we should have expected the doctor to figure that out, but still. This seemed like an appropriate movie to kind of like search for a backstory, search for that kind of like secondary arc. You know what I mean? Where, where there are things to uncover. And maybe that's, I, I don't know. I, I know we're probably going to get into the spoopy meter here, but like I always kind of felt like watching this movie, there was a little bit of a disconnect for me where I wasn't able to like fully invest. And I think that's why. I think they focus kind of like on surface level interaction where there was clearly like a bigger, deeper story happening. And I, I really wanted that, I think. Yeah, that that might like, it might drive right into the the face of like Van Helsing or something close to that, where it's like a actual monster huntery kind of thing. And that's not what they were going for. They they were just going for right. the werewolf and he murders people. Yeah, that's Simple. fair. Yeah, but I agree. I, I wish there was a little bit more. It whatever. Well, if we're good, I think I will send us over to the spoop zone. Uh, Dan, you, you got a measurement for our spoopometer this week? So 
Um, naturally, we got to go with moons, right? So, you know, there's there's eight phases, eight phases for the moon. So so David had to sit there for three weeks um, to go through all these phases. So how many how many moons different phases would you guys sit through? I didn't really know how to phrase that. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, mm. there's some fucking waning crescents and shit in here. So like, I'll, don't you dare I'll talk about wax and gibbous like that. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. How many, how many different phases would you guys sit through to get to that full moon? I just want one. I want waning phallus. <laughs> That's my favorite moon. You know what? Let's here's, here's what we're going to do. I want you to pick what your favorite cycle of the moon is. And that's your rating. We're not going to put a number on it and just ex- just explain your j- just give us your explanation of why you picked that one. All right. So if I have to go to like phases of the moon dot com and choose one, I I'm going to say just because I love the word, I'm going to give it a waxing gibbous. It's it's pretty far along the the, the pathway. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed it. Uh, well, sorry, uh, I wasn't scared by this movie. This movie wasn't very scary. It, it was too lighthearted or whatever. So, uh, in in an actual true spook meter, uh, it's it's maybe getting like a third quarter chub or something. But I think that's how. Oh, maybe I'm, no, I'm going the wrong way, guys. My bad. Uh, it's getting a waxing crescent uh, for for spook. It's the waxing crescent's like the next uh, from from New Moon. Uh, it's not very scary to me, but I I did enjoy the movie. It was pretty fun. I I would give it a I'd give it a good old waning gibbous uh, for for fun, but. I, I don't it's not scary. I mean, maybe if uh, maybe if I saw this in 1981 when it came out, yeah, it'd probably be scary. Uh, but now not so much. But I love the effects. I love the blend of random slapstick and little spooky elements. It's a really fun movie. That's why I recommended it and wanted uh, wanted us to do it. I just love the effects. Although I will say the some of the scenes where you see like the wolf fully like moving around didn't age as well but everything else like the transformation all of how jack looked and all the times he showed up were great mm-hmm. uh so yeah ni- nice good waning gibbous overall so i'm gonna go the exact opposite direction guys i'm gonna go waxing crescent because that's the way i'm going to tell people fuck off from now on i'm gonna tell people to wax my crescent and that's it. That's the whole reason why I why I chose that. I don't know anything about the fucking moon, and I don't give a fuck. Um, but let's talk about the movie. Uh, it was it was good. I did feel legitimately a, a little disconnected. I don't know. There was like a staleness in the overall story. I feel like we focused on places I wouldn't have uh, if given the the ability to direct. But I mean, it, it it is entertaining. I think it is scary. I think it is pretty decently scary for the time. I always try to, you know, put myself within the time frame. And I think a lot of the shots, especially going back to like that, that scary face of David kind of reminds me of like that foo gotcha effect where it's just a really scary image. It's not necessarily a jump scare, but it's like, hey, this is an image that is going to stay with you. And it has because a lot of these images have been used over the past, God, 1981, 40 years. So uh, I am a fan of all the artwork. I am a fan of the effects that they were able to concoct. So Waxing Crescent, which is somehow good in, in my summation. I'm going to give it the old the old blue moon because it gave me blue balls because uh, I like this movie. So, yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was really fun. I thought that it had some of that 80s charm to it. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. It was it was really good. I thought that there was like more that you could dive into, but you didn't have to. And super, super fun movie. I would watch this again. Um, and and that's something because I was going into this movie moaning and fucking groaning about it. I was like, oh, I want to watch this fucking movie yesterday. And I was like messaged. <laughs> I messaged everyone and was like, are we still doing this tomorrow? And everyone's like, yeah. And I'm like, God damn it. Fine. I'll watch this dumb fucking movie. And I came out of it and I was like, yeah, that was a really good movie. And I'd watch it again. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give it the old red moon, uh, blood moon and new moon twilight. Just to confirm, just so we're all on the same page here. Uh, you said blue moon because it gave you blue balls. You like blue balls because you're a true gooner. Is that correct? I think you knew what I meant. Okay. And then he switched to red. Then he switched the to red. And then Twilight. And then Twilight Princess. And he started going down the weird like rabbit hole of Zelda games. And yeah. Call me a princess. Mm-hmm. Dan, as your friend, I'm worried about your genitals. I, I, there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of colors that they shouldn't <laughs> <Yeah>. be. <laughs> You're going from blue to red very quickly. <laughs> Helen, please, please call 911. Please. <laughs> well, with that, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you guys uh, chatting about this silly movie. And yeah, uh, go ahead and check out all of our social stuff. It's in our podcast description. Uh, you can also see all of the uh, tags for all of the people who help us out. Uh, namely, we're going to say Andrew Cavanaugh. Uh, Andrew Cavanaugh with his music. Wonderful stuff. Intro, outro. And uh, we might have new podcasts art at this point. So I'm going to I'll I'll say Connor McLeod. Thank you one more time. But yeah, see how it goes. But uh, yeah, uh, check it out. And uh, otherwise, Chris, what do you want to have to say to all the werewolves out there? Thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time. (laughs) 